एवरीवन वी हैव अ वेरी स्पेशल गेस्ट टुडे कृपा जलान शी इज द फाउंडर ऑफ बर्गर्स टू बीस्ट दैट हेल्प्स पीपल लिव अ बैलेंस्ड लाइफस्टाइल कृपा बिलीव्स दैट देयर इज अ लॉट मोर टू फिटनेस देन जस्ट लूजिंग वेट एंड अ लॉट ऑफ फैक्टर्स प्ले इनटू योर डिसीजन विद फूड एट बर्गर्स टू बीस्ट दे कंसीडर ऑल दीस फैक्टर्स इन हेल्पिंग यू बिल्ड अ होलिस्टिक लाइफस्टाइल इन दिस एपिसोड वी गो ओवर कृपा's पर्सनल जर्नी and her fight against her deep rooted fear of food how she started creating awareness around health and fitness through her blog and why she decided to pursue a masters in public health from harvard university kripa believes in providing this education to the masses and hoping to achieve this goal through burgers to beast so let's dive into this episode and know more about her journey We are three friends who are talking and learning from interesting people working in various industries sharing their stories and journey so far These are your hosts Hiloni Bunadar Atit Kothari and Tapan Desai and this is What the Hat Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any episodes So welcome to the show Kripa and uh, let's know more about your journey. Hi Loni, thank you for having me here. Um I think Progress Beast all started as an answer to my own struggle with food and body image. I grew up overweight and I honestly never cared about the way I looked. Um I was fairly athletic, but I went to an all girls school and eventually when I got to the ninth grade, the 10th grade, the pressure got to me and I think there were so many girls who were traditionally skinny around me and it wasn't even from a position that I want to look like them it was let me try doing what they do and there were a bunch of girls around me who were going through an eating disorder they weren't eating too much they were puking their food around and I thought okay why not so it started there um I became anorexic I lost a lot of weight and I felt really really sick so I um I think things were really bad my blood work was terrible and i had to take control of my thoughts and actions or it would have been a lot more devastating so i started strength training and my coach at the time uh was extremely strict with me whereas i was not allowed to enter the gym unless i ate a sandwich in front of him and i hated him at the time because it was so hard for me but i think it was one of the best things that happened to me because it helped me eat again and then i visited a bunch of nutritionists and it was always like oh eat less move more don't weight train you're a girl and i just thought that this is completely crap advice because if i was a basketball player and i'm coming to you you're not going to tell me quit your sport and start playing gymnastics and i was really fed up with everything that was going on there was no concrete advice everyone was talking about health in terms of weight loss and we all know that health is so much more than that right like what about your existential health do you have a purpose in life what about your relationship health do you have supportive connections your emotional health are you able to express yourself clearly you know all these things mattered and of course nutrition and physical activity played a small part and um of course i was in engineering college at that time and i was absolutely miserable not because engineering is bad just because i'm not cut out for it and i knew that at a very early age but i came from a family of professionals and business advocates and it was always like take this clear safe path which is do engineering do an mba work at a bank make fat money but i know that i would not have been happy in that sort of a role for me it's mainly creativity and helping other people 
that was my purpose in life. So I think once I quit engineering, everyone told me that you can never be a nutritionist, right? Nobody's going to let you intern with them. You're not going to get a degree, any of that. And I was really broken at that point. So I thought, look, I've trained for five years. I've studied nutrition on my own. Let me get a certification and simultaneously let me start writing about the stuff. So I started Burgers to Beast as a blog, just talking about body image, nutrition and physical activity and just started creating awareness. And I wasn't trying to sell what everybody was saying. Right? I wasn't telling people you can get quick fix, quick fix results in 30 days. I wasn't saying that this detox plan works. I wasn't saying that this is a shortcut to a six pack. I was telling them that there's no substitute for hard work and consistency. Right. So, um, you know, starting off from there and, it, it was kind of like at a crossroads where you want to hold on to your ethos, but at the same time, you don't want to go down the commercial route. So I just believed in my thing. I was like, there is this genuine gap in the market for someone speaking their mind or speaking the truth, not here just to make money. And people started resonating with what I had to say, funnily enough. And within a couple of um, months and years, people started resonating. They started reaching out saying, can you help us? And I was really scared at the time to start taking on science because I had, hadn't actually consulted with the client. Yes, I had studied it, but taking science and putting it into practice was very different. So I started off from there. I started with one client in my first year and I had no business backing in the terms that I didn't have fam my family supporting me, giving me funding or capital because they thought this is a passion project. She just wants to get it out of her system. But it wasn't a passion project. And even if it was, I don't see anything wrong with following your passion, right? Um, I think it's one of the main drivers of a successful business. So it started off from there. After that one time, before I knew it, it had turned into a full-fledged business. Um, and it's been five years and we've worked with over 2,500 clients. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, taking a step back, um, you said uh, you went through a phase of uh, anorexia, right? Like how long did it take for you to get out of it? So I just feel like with any mental health thing, and anorexia has a very big mental health component, it's very hard to say when, at what point you recovered, right? Because it's not mm -hmm. tangible. With a wound, you can see when it heals. With inflammation, you can see when it settles. So right. I would say that on the topical surface with um, it probably took me a year or two to start eating normally again, but it took me over four to feel comfortable in my body again and not really care about what anyone had to say about the way I look. Right. Yeah. That's good to know. Um, mm -hmm. And and how did you get the first client? Right. Was um, it a friend, so, family? Yeah. Actually, no. Um, so I used to work at, at a gym and I was that crazy person that was there every single day, regardless of what was going on from 7 to 9 p.m. And I think it was at that time, not a lot of girls were strength training. So it was this kind of novelty. Oh, my God, she's lifting 100 kilos. So it was, I think a lot of people were seeing that and they just automatically thought that she knows what she's doing. So I think one day at the gym, someone approached me and said, hey, you know what? Um, can you help me with this? And I said, look, I'm trained in nutrition. I'm not trained in physical activity, although I've worked out for 10 years of my life. But that doesn't give me the credential to start making a plan for you in terms of training. I can help you with your nutrition. And I think that's where it started off. Mm, nice. And then uh, 
Burgers to beast, right? You talked about, and you said one sentence which, like, I've been thinking, health is a lot more than weight loss, right? So mm-hmm. in burgers to beast, uh, you consult on nutrition, and then like, what else do you do with your clients? Right. Um, so I think food is so much more than just food, right? At least why is someone eating? There's also what they're eating, and there's a whole lot more than just this is protein, this is fat, this is carbohydrates. So I think take emotional eating, for example. It's not just because there's sugar in front of you. You could have had a bad day. Your menstrual cycle could have been coming on. Um, you could have just been chronically stressed and you're reaching out for comfort. So I think what we really do is address health from a very holistic perspective. Um, and, you know, try to really understand why someone is feeling the way they are to begin with. So getting to the root cause and then addressing that, whether that's through nutrition, whether that's through stress management, that's whether that's through lifestyle fixes, or even environmental health, because sometimes it's just comes down to our surroundings, right? Like if there's always crab around you, you're more likely to eat it. Likewise, if there's more healthy food around you, you're more likely to eat that. And even the nature of your relationships, right? Because um, I think sometimes we fight with our loved ones and again, food is comfort or for example, take kids, right? They're more likely to follow a healthy, healthier lifestyle if their parents are doing so. Whereas parents could be you know, drinking uh, soda and having pizza every day and then they're telling their kids to eat vegetables. It's not going to work, right? So you lead by example. So I think what we really do is help people look, move and feel better to a variety of areas. And I think really approach health from a very holistic perspective. Mm. That's interesting. And so once you decided on, um, you said you started by writing blogs about nutrition and that was your blog, like Bogus to Beast. Then how did you like move towards um, building your YouTube channel and like other content creation? How did you start with that? Right. In terms of a timeline, first it was a blog. Then I took, because the blog had presence on the internet, I started a company and I called it Bogus to Beast because there was already presence for it. And I think um, over a period of time, I didn't, I was a bootstrap startup. I genuinely did not have any capital other than what I was coming in. So I didn't want to invest in marketing. I didn't want to do ads. And I think even if I had the capital, I wouldn't have done it because for me, it was a word of mouth model that I wanted to pursue. Because at least in matters of healthcare, you're more likely to go to someone. If a friend comes and tells you, hey, that, you know, I feel good. I've gone to her and this really worked for me. I'm happy. Whereas if they see an ad, because we get inundated with ads every single day with like hundreds and thousands of them. So I think that started off. And because I was not doing any sort of marketing or advertisements, I thought, hey, social media is a great way to get word out there without a heavy financial investment. So I started with Instagram and Facebook was bigger, of course, at the time. Now, at least for my business, it doesn't work so well for me. And and then I started YouTube. So my whole agenda with social media is, of course, brand awareness. But more importantly, it's awareness. Um, because I know for a fact that not everyone can afford personal coaching, right? Not everyone can come and put in this money and say, help me eat better. But there's plenty of people in our country who can't afford, you know, whether it's medical care or even preventative care in terms of training or nutrition. So I thought that these small sort of tips and tricks, if someone does follow it, even if it reaches out to 10 people, that's 10 more healthy people we have in this country. And that's such an important message because prevention is so much cheaper than cure, right? When 20% of our country lives below the poverty line, 
sound medical care becomes a luxury many can't afford and i think a very important message that's often left out is that most chronic diseases are preventable so why not step in at this very root and help people feel better wow yeah uh, that that actually makes a lot of sense i mean i have been facing uh, something very similar like having that constant uh, thing with weight loss going into a diet going into different fads then realizing that it needs to be a lifestyle and not just like a one off thing with like a certain you have a wedding coming up or you have a festivity coming up and you want to do that it's mm-hmm. it's not right right way to chase it and mm-hmm. uh, i think prerogs helped me out with that and he kind of uh, made sure that we didn't have junk at home and that was one of the good things because of which we started avoiding having all of that so yeah everybody has their ways to like deal with it um, but right now in a situation like covid and where everybody now wants to build their immunity build Uh, like kind of make themselves healthier or uh, do you have like any specific advice for people that they should like top five things you recommend they should be following right now absolutely um so i think right now it's because covid is such an unprecedented circumstance there's also been a big capitalization on this to sell products that are going to fix you and give you overnight immunity that doesn't happen right no disease builds up within a span of an hour or a day it takes time to build up and reach a stage where it's actually creating havoc for you and likewise unhooking your biochemistry and healing again is going to take time and unfortunately there's no pill power powder or substance that's going to get you there so i think um one thing i would strongly recommend is certainly watch your average sugar intake because it instantly suppresses your immune system um so while i do believe in a life of balance and indulgence i think indulgence is key because that indicates that it's once in a while whereas when it becomes an everyday staple it becomes a problem so i definitely recommend watching added sugar consumption another thing is just moving and i don't mean going to a gym exercising going to a yoga studio or a pilates studio the human body was designed to move but at least with the pandemic we're all just sitting through the day we're working on our desk we're moving over to our beds back to the desk over to the bed again So I think some purposeful movement is necessary. I don't care whether it's five minutes, whether it's ten minutes, that's fifteen minutes. You need to carve out that some time for yourself in the day to move a little bit, even if it means going for a walk or doing, say, twenty push-ups. Just start moving. And I think most importantly, I think you can take vitamins, you can take minerals, you can exercise, you can eat well. But until you deal with your mental health, you know, nothing's going to improve. Um, I think again it's easier said than done to tell someone don't stress. It's about developing a toolkit for you to deal with that stress better when it comes. So I think again meditation is a very powerful tool and your breath is the most most inexpensive way to feel better. So I think even if you start off with 3 to 5 minutes of just breath work and basic meditation a day that's a great start. So I would say on now these are three different things right we have nutrition we have physical activity we have stress management i think it's essential for people to at least pick one and start because it's not often easy to change three things but it's relatively easier to change one thing at a time yeah oh, makes sense yeah. um and and uh, i i wanted to follow up on the previous uh, topic that you touched upon when you you know you started a company based on a blog right when did you decide okay yeah this is a legitimate business there is a product for uh, sorry there is a market for the product that i have right uh, when did you have that was there a certain number of hits that you were getting on your blog or uh, people were asking in real life about uh, this blog right um 
I think it was two things. One is, of course, tangible results in terms of having more clients, right? Because that, at the end of the day, as much as we say it's not about money, you've got to sustain your life. So I think that was the first turning point when I started just hitting a certain number of clients. But I think more importantly, it was when I started feeling confident about myself. Because when I started off, I was so scared thinking, you know, people are entrusting me with their health. How will I do? But I think over a period of time, it was very hard for me because I've never been someone who's been able to accept that I'm doing something good. But I think the moment when I was able to accept that, hey, I'm doing a half decent job, um, I think that was a turning point for me. And I said, this is a business I want to do. And I go get to go home, feel satisfied, wake up happy to go to work. I've, I think for me, the biggest wins are when clients call and say that, you know, my blood markers have improved or, I'm feeling happier, I'm feeling healthier, I'm able to communicate with my family members better. I think that's what really keeps me going. So here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there are a lot of YouTubers, even a lot of bloggers, they kind of go down into the whole number game and continuously work towards how can we increase that? How can we increase our audience? What was your take on that whole aspect? And I've seen like a lot of people even having mental health issues just because they are continuously tracking that whole aspect and getting very deep into it. So how how were you dealing with your Instagram growth, your YouTube growth? And what was your approach? Absolutely. Um, so I think that's such a tricky question because social media is a double-edged sword, right? Because on one hand, it's helped so many people get information much faster. Uh, spread awareness about things. I think a lot of, I mean, a big part of this is that people are able to talk about mental health on social media and that reaches people quickly. But at the same time, getting stuck in the numbers game, seeing Photoshop videos and images sets up very unrealistic results. Because at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, as real as we try to be on social media, we're seeing people's highlight reels. We're not seeing their real life. Um, I think I don't consider myself to be an influencer. I consider myself to be someone who's running a business and is on social media for that business, um, which is why I don't do any brand promotions. I don't do any advertisements um, because this for me, it's just something that has never resonated with me. I don't see myself ever going onto social media and saying, hey, this is a great protein powder. Take it. You know, it's just, I'm not saying it's wrong, but that's down the influencer route and um, I think that's where a lot of the numbers lie. A lot of people want to see the commercial content and that's not wrong. It's just not for me. That's not why I joined social media. So I don't know if I'm the right person to answer this question, but I can answer it from my view is I'm there for awareness, education and to talk about my business. Um, you know, and I I don't have the numbers that traditional bloggers and influencers have like 100K followers and so on and so forth. But um, I know this is so cliched, but I think if you just really believe in your product or service, you speak confidently about it, you reach out to the people, you know. For me, I would rather have 13,000 or 14,000 followers out of which at least 40% are able to listen to me and comprehend with me and are not just there for, you know, this is cool or I want like a product code out of it. Um, so I think for me, it's more about the conversions and who I'm able to get through than just masses and numbers. And I don't know if that, that makes sense business-wise, uh, but I I feel satisfied about it, so. No, it does. Like uh, there's an article which Atita and I, I don't know if Elonia has read, like Kevin Kelly's 1,000 true fans. So it's like, 
you need to have thousand true fans uh, or followers on Instagram who will like listen to you as you said like they will buy all your products and they will like follow you everywhere instead of having those hundred thousand like aiming for that so it does make sense so uh burgers to beast uh, you started building brand awareness you started your youtube channel and stuff like that then what made you like switch and like think about getting a degree from harvard and like pursuing higher education right so i think this is probably a little relevant and not really much of a story i think for me it was harvard was never the dream i never grew up thinking that i want to be a harvard grad not because of any other reason but just because i just felt that that seems like a dream that's too good to be true and i think after my engineering when i was deciding to switch to healthcare um i applied to 14 institutions for a masters in engineering management and none were ivy leagues i got rejected from all 14 so i had no reason to think hey go apply to harvard and columbia and try your bet there um i think so <laughs> this is funny but my gre scores were expiring and i was like let me just try you know it's expiring in two months what am i going to do let me just try for the best what's the harm and at the same time i was aware that five years down the line i had been helping rich people get fit or healthier but that's faced in our country there's a lot of people who can't afford that right again like i said earlier not everyone can go to nutritionist not everyone can walk over to breach candy hospital and say my blood pressure is through the roof help me so i think i really wanted to do something on a larger front where i'm able to bring preventative healthcare to a larger subset of population at inexpensive rates or at least set public health interventions that are perhaps government funded funded by someone else but you know that takes away a lot of the actual healthcare burden and the consequent economic burden from these families and i was just like public health is the place to be for that and it may not be a lucrative business in terms of money but i think i've just always had a very strong drive to give back to society it's i i know a lot of people come and say these things on podcasts but it's sometimes like this just this stuff hurts me when i see that uh you know see a staff member or help has had diabetes and they're just like i can't get care i can't afford to sell my house and get insulin or you know something like that it's just that it's scary the situation our healthcare system is broken and i think the pandemic has highlighted that more than ever so i think it was from that point i was just like yeah public health is a place to go i even forgot i had applied <laughs> and then three months later i was sitting at in a place where there was no wifi and i got like an email update sort of thing that your harvard decision letter is ready and i said you know what i've gotten rejected i don't even care um i got out of the place i opened it and it said that you've gotten in and my face just froze and i had a couple of friends around me and they were like dude is everything okay did someone die and i said no nothing that i just kept quiet because i was so sure they're going to recall their admissions and say hey you know what that was a mistake but it wasn't and i went there and i think it was one of the best decisions i ever made Yeah, uh tell us more about the admission process. Um yeah, so I think of course you need your GRE TOEFL the basic tests uh you need to send in your transcripts conventional this I don't think it's any different from any other admission at least for your grad school. Uh there was a statement of purpose 
my statements for purpose literally spoke about everything we have so far my personal journey um why i want to pursue public health and i think uh, that was it there was no interview or anything and i was really unsure of even taking it so i think i went 3 or 4 months back and forth considering should i take this admission or not um and i think everyone around me was just like how can you turn down harvard and i said it's not a question of turning down harvard it's a question of walking away from my company for real it's not a binary decision it's not as easy if i was working somewhere yes i could have just said hey i'm taking off i'll come back later but this genuinely meant putting putting work on pause for a year so um i think eventually the i just it was just like a leap of chance because i know the sort of cons outweighed the pros but somewhere in my gut it just felt like this is the right thing to do so i went ahead with it and and what was your learning experience like uh, i mean personally i love the harvard campus and uh, like how was the learning experience how was the experience of being with peers in the similar space so excited about it and so passionate about it i think harvard's biggest strength more than the ivy walls is the community it builds it's not just the smartest people it's some of the most genuine people who at least in the school of public health you have over 500 people here who just want to help humans you know who are there putting away banking jobs investment banking jobs law jobs which are very high paying just to come in and solve real world issues right whether that's lgbtq rights whether that's fight infectious diseases whether that's nutrition whether that's global health issues like child mal- malnutrition so i think i genuinely met some of the nicest people there i think more broadly it influenced my world views cuz at the end of the day, i i think i've always been cognizant of the fact that I've lived in South Bombay all my life. It's a small bubble to live in. There's a whole world beyond it, right? And I think that's something I took for granted for a very long time. So it was just, I think some of my best friends over there are from different parts of the world, whether that's Nigeria, whether that's Egypt, whether that's Bangladesh, um, whether that's China, whether it's actually in the US. So I think just interacting with them, understanding their perspectives on life, what issues are there in their countries, why are they doing this i think that had a huge impact on me itself so i think of course like it doesn't take away from the fact that this is the best college in the world um and i think for a very long time i was afraid to say that because i did not want to seem like my dad my t- dad told me before i was leaving that you do not come back with a chip on your shoulder from there like i do not want to hear you be uh, brag about the fact that you went here and so it just took me a very long time to say this cuz even when i was going i would say oh i'm going off to college i'm doing my masters i never really took the name and i think for me after some time it was just that if you go to any college you're going to own it right so i'm just owning the college i went to regardless of how big or small it is and i think in terms of my own mental health it was the best change for me at the time at least Did you uh, after your uh, master's journey? Did you uh, re- uh, resume uh, Burgas to Beast, or did you do something else? Yeah, no. Um, so I didn't entirely start Burgas to Beast while I was away. I largely la- ran it as a content platform where I was still doing the awareness and education bit, uh, but I wasn't actively consulting with clients unless I was physically in India. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that's what I did while I was away. I came back. through my program every three or four months to just make sure I was in touch with the company and you know things like I don't want to put a complete halt to it 
and I came back and I've been working on it ever since. I think you also started like your own webcast, which is called Lifestyle Rx. You want to tell yeah. us more about that? Absolutely. Um, I think there's so much nutrition and health confusion today, right? Someone's telling you paleo is good. Someone's telling you veganism is good. At the same time, someone is saying you should train three hours a day. Someone else is saying keep resting, right? So there's for the average consumer, it's just so hard to figure out what do I do when not everyone has a PhD or a master's in healthcare to figure this stuff out. And at the same time, I feel like to a very large extent, the healthcare industry in India is unregulated. I don't mean medical purposes, but at least a preventative care. Uh, so I've just seen, I just feel like a lot of information can be damaging, although it's not, that's not the intention of it, right? Uh, so this, this ties into the whole social media thing that it, it gets information out faster, but it gives everyone a voice at the same time, right? So I just thought that, okay, I'm saying this all the time, but why not get experts from the world to talk about this? And at the same time, because I think people have this respect for Harvard. Um, I thought that I've made some great connections there. Why not connect them, have, have people listen to what they have to say? Because that's going to hold some weightage at the end of the day. And that's going to help you make better informed health decisions. And I think I started this during the pandemic where it was just so necessary for people to just start taking care of their health, regardless of what it is. Because, you know, when trouble comes knocking at the door, it's your immunity that's going to hold you up, not any medication. Uh, I think you very correctly mentioned that there's so much information out there. It's always like, it's so easy to get confused as to what, what is the right one or what is the right approach, even from like basic intermittent fasting to uh, doing it in the right way, it's good for you or not. So what is your way to find out or to filter information or to understand, okay, probably this is the correct way. This is the uh, probably not the right way because there are experts talking about on the both sides of the coin. Absolutely. Um, so I think to start off with, of course, it needs to be scientific to, is it based on concrete research? Are the studies substantial? Is there enough evidence to support these claims? But at the same time, I think as scientists, we often get very stuck up in the art of, I mean, the science of things, but we forget the art of delivery that a lot of human nature can't be quantifiable and can't, doesn't really reflect in sort of papers. So I think maintaining that amalgamation of both, that yes, you are dealing with humans, but at the same time, are you helping them through science is necessary. Um, I think at the end of the day, there's going to be a hundred people making a hundred claims. And I've never said that I'm a hundred percent right. Cause I think for another nutritionist speaking something that I may not agree with, she's right in her own regard. You know, it's just, I may not agree with her. She may not agree with me. So I think it's taking, listening to it and then doing your own research to an extent. Of course, it's hard to start reading research papers and all, but I think just investigating a little more, even if it's concrete, articles at like you know well-known places just finding out your own information then making decisions whereas with my clients I don't use a one-size-fits-all approach right you can't put a pregnant woman on intermittent fasting you can't carb load for someone who has diabetes so I think it's a very individualistic approach and like I said it's not just food it's a number of factors that shape the way you're eating so just given how individualistic and unique each one of us are, I genuinely don't think there's a one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I, I 
when my cousins uh, ask me what should i what is one skill that i should prepare uh, to so that i'm better ready for the real world i tell them learn how to read scientific papers you know like if you can that's a superpower like mm-hmm. uh, that's the the real source uh, where everything all the articles or the newspapers will be quoting what is written in that science paper so directly yeah. get into that that white paper okay so uh, what's the biggest area you're curious about right now what excites you um i think this is something i've always advocated for is reduction of sugar consumption since i started work just because it's omnipresent it's hidden in every single food i mean you go over to buy a healthy granola bar and it turns out it has more sugar than a dairy milk so i think um definitely advocating for sugar consumption it's a very big task because i think there's so much research suggesting that it's highly addictive so the more you have the more desensitized you are to the taste the greater hit you need to get the same feeling um likewise it's linked to every single chronic disease be it type 2 diabetes hypertension or you know heart issues or even depression in some cases and now we know that you know people with these chronic conditions are at a greater risk of experiencing complications from covid-19 so i'm i just wonder sometimes are infectious diseases and non communicable diseases sort of mutually exclusive because there's a clear link here so i think again sugar suppresses your inflammation i mean it creates inflammation it suppresses your immunity um can create create havoc for your respiratory pathways so i think definitely continuing advocating for that is my interest and chronic disease prevention and for sugar consumption like um do you think everyone should just completely stop consuming sugar or like how right. should they approach no i don't think um it's feasible to entirely eliminate a food group unless you're drastically allergic to it uh what i really need to say is treat it like an occasional indulgence rather than an everyday staple and be aware of how much you're consuming i think most people are unaware of it because it's hidden in a in a sauces salad dressings and ketchup in our bars it's hidden in pastas and breads so it's just present everywhere and people say oh i'm not consuming any sugar because i'm not adding it to my tea or coffee but you're unaware of all the hidden sugar that's present elsewhere and it's not very rarely do manufacturers directly say this is just plain refined sugar you know so high fructose corn syrup brown rice syrup um and other forms is over like 100 forms of sugar which are disguised in these foods so i think to start off with be aware of how much you're consuming because without being aware of it how are you going to cut it out right i've seen so many people say oh, i haven't had sugar in 3 months but what do you eat through the day uh i have like this prepackaged smoothie which is supposed to be healthy again has sugar i have granola bars sugar i have four slices of bread a day sugar i eat pasta whole wheat pasta for dinner again sugar so i think start with awareness um of course try and cut out what's added to a large extent i'm not saying avoid it um and i think that's a starting step Hmm. Uh, I recently read this in the news. I think two or three days back that uh, India actually, and I was shocked. I didn't know about this. Then, then I just went deeper into this article that India is apparently one of the biggest producers of sugar, and we kind of produce a lot of extra quantity. And I think this year that's been the case. And uh, now they are kind of incentivizing the whole sugar buying. They're trying yeah. to make it. like even in export they are kind of giving subsidies and also in domestic market they are trying to promote it more mm-hmm. so i mean in a situation like this and from the background that you come from how is it that we as individuals can help 
uh, or like bring a change around this i think regardless of what area it is change starts at home so it's tough to tell people you meet once in a week once in a month that change your lifestyle but i think just start with your own surroundings get your family members to start eating healthier they will have a ripple effect on other people and that's how you really make change through this tiny ripple effect um i think it's tough when a government is coming in and saying eat sugar and at the same time there's three or four tiny healthcare professionals here and saying that you know really watch it it's very tough to make widespread impact but that doesn't mean change can't be done you start with your immediate surroundings that has a ripple effect and this ripple effect carries on um you know your two people becomes four your four people becomes eight and that just continues to multiply what uh, is your typical client like uh, do they come to you with okay, like kuch bata do like i i want to lose weight or i have this disease that i want to get rid of uh, yeah so i think a lot of clients come from the perspective of i'm tired of dieting tell me what to do it's more to do that just like to break free from that cycle and also of course improve their health lose excess body fat as a byproduct of that so the majority of my clients are there then i think the second tier would be more chronic disease um, management so type 2 diabetes it even not chronic disease pcos thyroid conditions leaky gut syndrome um a bunch of other illnesses um so i think these two are my large focuses yeah i also had one more follow up question so being in a nutritionist i mean being a nutritionist as a career option uh, what what is your top tips that you would want to give for people graduating from any field uh, wanting to pursue this as a career uh, what are some things that you made a mistake and probably people can learn from uh, top tips that they should be following to make this as a full proof career for them absolutely um i think it's a great question and it's one that i've never really thought about is what advice would i give to someone else in my position but again i would say that once you have studied it um i don't mean just a certification just genuinely studied it and you're sure you want to do this do it because it seems like an easy job right you're just telling people what to eat but there's a lot more to people than what they're telling you you know so you really have to get into depth with them to understand where they're coming from um and i think i've heard like clients tell me that the previous nutritionists used to shout at them if they've not lost weight and that's something i don't agree with that's their methodology uh, method but it's just something i don't personally agree with because at the end of the day this person is suffering in a way right do you understand in that minute how hard it was for them to think that I'm on a diet and spending so much money here but I just want to eat chocolate because I have a shitty day and I want to feel good. So I think you need to bring compassion to the table. Um you need to be able to understand that our lives are complicated and there's no one size fits all approach. Take it from that lens. Truly understand your client, being, build connections with them and that's really what this is all about and of course mainly focus on health cuz no amount of weight is worth losing your health when when that hits the ceiling nothing else matters you know not how much money you have not how much weight you've lost none none of that stuff and and what do you tell your clients which have like which constantly drop off i mean I, i've seen this pattern not just with me but a lot of my friends you go for some time you try following something and then you drop off and uh, yeah so i tell them that it's okay <laughs> you know it's absolutely okay it's i tell them a very simple fact that you are 28 or 29 years old right 
in the larger scheme of things what are two weeks and the beauty of this process is that you can always pick yourself up and to begin with my the kind of plans i use aren't like drastic overnight makeovers because development is a slow process so it's i already i just take what the client is already doing really well and make it better so it's not that big a change so they don't feel like i'm on a diet oh my god so many things have changed because our minds are resistant to change the more we change the harder it gets so i think this is one of those cases where less is truly more yeah so uh, our next segment is our top 3 uh, where we would love some recommendations from your end starting sure. with uh, top 3 book recommendations and which is that one book that you've gifted the most right um so i think i'm a very big history and mythology geek so i would definitely recommend sapiens another one is definitely the mahabharat even if it's translated in english and i think that's life lessons for ever and i think the book that i've gifted the most is social value investing hmm. for mahabharat like do you have a translation of particular author you like um so i've read a bunch of them uh, so i've read them from various perspectives and of course the original text has been translated to english yeah. so i think um one of them was a palace of illusions which isn't exactly historically entirely oh, i correct. love that book yeah but it tells you drop these perspective in a, in a largely male dominant you know epic another one is the rise of kali which tells you the story from duryodhan's perspective so i think just understanding that same given story from multiple perspectives was really life changing <laughs> interesting yeah. yeah social value investing i have to add it to my list Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah what is that about i i haven't heard of that book um it's warren buffett is one of the authors it just talks about how collaboration can be leveraged to create meaningful change because a lot of times things like poverty can't be entirely met in the near future and these issues are far too big to solve by just one entity you know so the power of collaboration whether it's a private public non-profit sector coming together to really bring about meaningful change so it just talks about that from multiple perspectives okay uh, moving on to top 3 movie or tv show recommendations right so a full disclaimer i'm not a very big tv and movie person i prefer reading but I think again I don't know if these are self development but I really like dark um I think it was just amazing another one that I really liked was mind hunter and I think movies maybe eight mile the mnm one was really really gritty <laughs> <laughs> cool um the next one top three podcast or youtube channel recommendations Right. Uh so I think podcast I would say How I Built This is one which is just amazing. Um I would say Doctor's Pharmacy by Mark Hyman. That one is really good too and I would say um in terms of healthcare with even Bulletproof Radio by Dave Asprey that is very good. Awesome. Um top 3 tips for anybody who's starting their nutrition journey. change one thing at a time one task at a time don't change too much too soon it's a recipe for disaster second what's your added sugar intake um for sure and the third is not nutrition related but definitely sleep well because it's a cornerstone of a healthy and joyous life so you'll notice that in days you don't sleep too well you're more likely to reach out for junk food so i think it really starts with a good sleep schedule 